Today, we're having a really fun conversation, which is a little bit different for us. And we talk about business of the V, we talk about all kinds of things, and we usually start with menstruation. Today, we're starting with puberty, and we're speaking to Dr. Lisa Klein, who's a practicing pediatrician and co-founded, really, an education company for parents and kids to learn about puberty together. And the two of us were like salivating. We were so excited and also so sad that she didn't exist when we were raising our now adult children. Absolutely. She's number one, uh, just a warm, warm person who everybody would want as their pediatrician. Uh, but what a wealth of knowledge, especially these days where so many, you know, young, young kids, really teenagers and tweens, as she puts it, are gathering really inaccurate information. And lots of it. And lots of it from you know, social media and from uh, friends. So she, she and her co-founder really do set the record straight. She's also an author, which I think is great because people have reinforcement of all the information that she is providing. One of the things that I found so fascinating is when you were asking about the actual change in uh, young people experiencing puberty earlier. And I think people will be shocked to learn how many social factors um, can influence that. So take a listen. She's really fun and, and informative. Welcome to the business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so excited to have our guest today, Dr. Lisa Klein, who is a practicing pediatrician and a co-founder of the business Turning Teen, which was created to help tweens transition into adolescence without shame, secrecy, or embarrassment. Wow, that's a big mission. Tell us how you how you got here. You obviously are with um, kids all day, treating them, educating them, dealing with their parents. How do you turn that into another business? Yeah, so about six years ago, um, as a doctor mom, starting to raise children, I have two boys that are of became tween-ish age and puberty started to become on the radar in my house and therefore amongst many of my friends, my mom friends. Um, between that and the day-to-day -day in the office of talking to parents and kids about, you know, puberty and getting the look of deer in the headlights, did you really say the word? Do we really have to go there? I realized along with my um, co-founder, that we need more resources to help parents talk to their kids about puberty. So Turning Teen was born. Thank goodness, because I don't see teens. Well, I see teens in my practice. I don't see pediatric patients. But my goodness, the source of highest authority is TikTok. 
And that's frightening. So thank goodness there is a reputable place to turn that seems very user-friendly. Yes. And, you know, we were finding that just even starting with the basics, with the most awesome of parents who, well-intentioned, educated, didn't even know the proper terms of anatomy for their own, right, female parts. What's the difference between a vulva and a vagina? And so our course um, for female puberty classes starts with the basics. Like we have to be able to talk about our body parts appropriately, not be embarrassed to say the word vagina or vulva so that we can take ownership of our body, know what's going to happen to our body. And then there's tons of research showing the more we understand our bodies, the more we respect our bodies. And that um, to me, the mom and the doctor is huge. One of the things that I've, I've read and seen, which is um, very comforting, is that the more children understand the names of their anatomy and the function and how they fit together, the more likely they are to report instances of abuse or trauma. So that's sort of the dark side of education, but giving kids the tools um, to protect themselves um, seems as important as any work that can be done. So how do you, what is the business model behind turning team? Turning, turning team, say that 10 times fast. So um, we, we call it turning team, but really it's turning tween, turning team, whatever, right? We're constantly evolving and changing um, our curriculum and joke about, joke about our name. But the business model started as let's teach parents and children together because kids go to school in some school not all in some states, not all, there's a puberty curriculum, which for the most part is usually one hour in an entire year where <laughs> somebody, maybe someone qualified, probably someone not qualified, is teaching kids about their bodies and puberty and labeling on a black and white photocopy diagram. Here's your uterus. Here's your ovaries. You know, very basic stuff, but it's not done with the parents. So what kid comes home at this age, right, as a tween or a teen, and tells their parents anything besides how was your day? It was good. <laughs> right? So they're not getting that detailed conversation. So the whole idea is start the conversation together. Come to the class together. Because again, if you can start talking science and puberty and anatomy with kids, those, those kids will say, oh... I can talk to my parent about awkward stuff. We survived that. Maybe I'll talk to them about sex. Maybe I'll talk to them about drugs. Maybe them, I'll talk to them about difficult relationships and situations. So we just really believe in starting the conversation together. So we started turning teen in people's homes and their family rooms with five kids at a time. And now we do huge programs, you know, even in auditoriums. And then as we developed and changed over the years. Now we even do programs just for parents or programs in schools, but always accompany the school program with a parent program. So everyone's learning together. You know, I'm amazed. Uh, first of all, kudos to you, because I would imagine dealing with the parents is probably much harder than dealing with the tweens, but I digress. Pediatric in general. <laughs> yes, it's very dramatic. But, you know, by the time they get to me as a gynecologist, you know, it seems like the girls are kind of in two camps. They either have such an attitude towards their guardian, mother, father, whoever, you know, whatever authoritative person is coming with them for their visit, or they have the best 
you know, relationship ever. So I'm <laughs> guessing that whatever you're fostering in these young ones will translate to a better relationship with their parent about this uh, later on. Would you say that that's <sighs> occurring? I, I definitely think so, especially when you look at the return rates for our classes and how they come back with their other kid, whether it's for the boys class or the second girls class to talk more in depth about, okay, I've gone through puberty and now I'm about to get my period or I have my period. And we go through details on menstruation, which is practically a whole class in itself, as you as you know, as a gynecologist. Um so I definitely think that just even the ability to joke about it, laugh about it, be embarrassed about it together, that itself is a bonding experience. Are these in-person classes online in schools full of auditorium? I'm imagining they're very yeah, well uh, Everything and anything in between. So we started tiny, right, and just organically grew word of mouth. And thanks to COVID, one positive thing from COVID pandemic is we started doing more and more classes online and on Zoom so we can reach bigger audiences. We even have some of our classes pre-recorded now. You can be like, oh, it's a rainy day. We're home. I want to take a class on puberty with you and let's just turn it on and take it. Oh, I can I can remember when my kids came home and said, let's watch a class. Oh, no, right. So it's, it's definitely the parent needs to typically instigate this. And um, yes, we sometimes go into schools or have big, you know, auditoriums filled with 100, 200 people to do a class. We do a lot of partnering for private classes, whether it's we actually have some physician offices that love to bring us in and host something for their patients. Or Girl Scouts is a big one. We do stuff with Girl Scout troops. Um, anyone that's into like, yep, I'm here to help you and I want a resource for, for my family or, or the, my clientele, we think it's great. I've done stuff with um, da- entrepreneur dad groups. The dads want more information on how yeah. to talk to their kids about sex or porn or puberty. And so I've talked to just them and I reached people internationally. Um, I'll talk to anybody because anyone I can help, it means you're helping your kids. I love this. I have to say, I have a lot of young, young patients who have two dads as parents and they need a lot of assistance. You know, after all, they haven't personally menstruated. I think that that first menstruation is really can be a little bit dramatic for everybody. I'm curious, though, because, you know, we all bring different cultural and value uh, based thoughts to the table. Do you get a lot of pushback from some of your parents when you want to speak openly or directly about certain subject matters that maybe some parents don't think is appropriate? Yeah. So you're probably mostly referring to sex. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're going for there. Um, and yes, so here's the deal that I tell everybody up front is puberty classes are not sex ed classes. and while we would love to incorporate it all and teach sex ed as well, we know as a business yeah. that parents need to take some baby steps, many of them, not all. And so our class is focused on puberty, breast development, pubic hair, menstruation, you know, for boys, all of the things that go with that, um, ejaculation and masturbation and all of that. And sure, we explain. What is the purpose of puberty? The purpose of puberty is for reproduction. So one day, 
you can have a baby if you want to. We do not talk about SEX <laughs> in our class. Um, it's usually always written on an anonymous note card for a question. Absolutely. And they say, whoever asked me a question, you know, come back and I will answer their question for you. Um, you know, after the class, but sometimes, you know, people ask things that we're not ready to discuss here today because it would be an entirely different, you know, full hour long class. So that definitely um, becomes an issue for some. Well, we see that even when um, Alyssa and I are speaking in person or online to large groups of women who are way past puberty and are closer to menopause, uh, they also want to ask the questions anonymously. So, one of the things that's so striking to me is you are filling this incredible void in sex education. And we've said this before, but not all the states in the U.S. require sex education. A subset of those that require it don't require it to be medically accurate, which I always repeat because people think I'm making it up. There are states that mandate sex education that don't require it to be medically accurate. There are more states that teach abstinence than consent. Um, you combine that with the ubiquity of porn, and we have kids growing up with none of the fundamentals that you're talking about. So I imagine when people hear about you, especially parents, they're ravenous. How are you keeping up with the demand? Are you, are you and your co-founder adding more instructors? I know you talked about doing some that are pre-recorded, but I can only imagine that this is exploding and will continue to do so because you found this big white space where people don't have information. Yeah, so first of all, Come on, business. We'll take on more. We're hungry and we're passionate, right? So we always talk about how we are kind of a passion project turned into a business. And we um, just figure it out as we go. We're amazing working women, right? So we can do it all, no problem. We have had over the years a few different instructors join our team. And some of them have done more programming than others. Um, and though they do in-person programs or some Zoom programming for us, we are always looking for more people to join our team, but we're particular, right? We want that person who can capture the audience and teach, but joke around and connect with the kid and the parent. Um, but we want to hit bigger audiences, right? Like I want to scream from the rooftops for some famous person who's passionate about parent to parenting topics. Like, hey, get me on your TikTok or Instagram because I can share so much awesome stuff. That's actually accurate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is medically accurate in a fun, modern way. So, um, but... We want to be able to reach bigger audiences, work with more people, because these children, which they still are, right? Teenagers, children, brains not developed till age 25, they need information. I mean, I am surrounded by teens all day long in the office and in my personal life with my two teenage children and their friends. And um, it's kind of scary, right? It's just super scary. I'm curious about what your most controversial topics are. And I'm gonna take a little stab here. 
Um, I'm guessing Gardasil, this is a vaccination that is given to protect against HPV, a virus that's typically transmitted sexually, not always, but typically, and can uh, lead to increased risk cervical cancer and other uh, cancers, as well as genital warts. I'm guessing um, uh, eating disorders uh, is a common subject. And then obviously sex, which we won't really touch upon, because I know that's a subject into into itself. But um, can you comment on some of the most controversial subjects that you have to speak about with your audiences? Yes. So I guess I have, right, I wear lots of different hats, as many of us do. So in the office as a pediatrician in private practice, seeing ages zero through 19 every day, I would definitely say one of my toughest conversations is, well, well, one of the toughest things is when I tell the parent, bye-bye, it's time for your kid to have some privacy, confidentiality, learn how to advocate for themselves, whether they want to tell me they're having sex or just complain about their parent. That's all fair game in the world of pediatrics. That's super hard for parents. And most of them will agree to give their kid a little bit of space and privacy. Two is Gardasil is, of course, um, I hate to say tough sell because I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm trying to protect children. Um, but yes, I, there is still a insane stigma that if I give my kid Gardasil, I'm giving them permission to be promiscuous or, you know, which is not at all true, right? So we explain, give Gardasil, you get better antibody responses. The younger you are of all the things we vaccinate against, what's the most common thing you're going to encounter? HPV. Um, so so definitely that, I would say that that's definitely on the, on the top of the list. Um Eating disorders, sure. I mean, I'm I'm the teen queen of my office. I see a ton of teenage females and some males, obviously, of eating disorders too, especially with the COVID yeah. pandemic. We saw just as we all know, a huge increase of mental health. And so I don't want to say controversial, but just um teen parent relationships, as you mentioned, are difficult. And the constant, you know, battling between them and that I want to be independent, but I still sometimes need you, right? It's kind of like running away, but I can't run away too close because it's not my hug. What was the name of that book? I remember when my kids were teenagers. I hate your guts, but first, please take me to the mall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that hasn't changed in those departments. (laughs) And, you know, by the same token, I'm curious if you have a favorite invention that has really helped your population, Um, you know, something new that's come about. So what always comes to my mind for menstruating females are menstrual underwear. Has that been like Ah. a game changer in your practice or anything else along that line that you could elucidate? Well, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, she just took my answer. Um, sorry. <laughs> even starting turning teen, right? There was like a little bit of it. I kind of heard of it, but wow, that is a huge, huge thing that has helped so many of my patients. Whether I tell them to use the underwear, you know, however they see fit, whether they're tampon users and want to wear their white jeans and have a backup, whether they aren't, you know, ready to use tampons with a light enough flow, they can just use the underwear or it helped them go to camp. 
A ton of them, a ton of my patients go to summer camps and freak out and wonder, what if I get my period at camp? I'm like, no big deal. Take some period underwear, you know, or the period bathing suits now. Sure. And well, um, on the days of sticking the tampon up your sleeve yeah. and scurrying off exactly. to the bathroom when you're in middle school. Yeah. However, not totally gone. And again, I talked to them about that. They still hide it, right? It's still, ooh, if I'm carrying a purse, someone will know I have my period. Ooh, if I have my fanny pack on, someone will know I have my period at school. And I say to them, yep, and that's normal. And it's good to be normal. But the stigma, it's fascinating in today's day and age that the stigma still exists. Um, one of the, the most fascinating um, talks that I did when I was talking to this entrepreneur dad's group with people from all over the world were these amazing dads that joined our conversation and joined the talk, but live in a culture where menstruation is still considered dirty. <laughs> Absolutely not okay to have a conversation with it with your teenage female daughter about sex or anything like that, but yet they joined. And they said, gosh, how do I have these conversations with my kid if it's not socially acceptable whatsoever in our culture? And that's a huge barrier for them. But kudos to some people trying to come out of the woodworks and change that dialogue. Do you see any difference? You've been at this several years and you've been a pediatrician for longer. There's so many um, conversations and companies talking about menstrual care and offering different solutions and educating. Are you seeing any progress in addition to what you're doing? Are kids and parents coming in with better information, more information, anything? I think sometimes that the kids have, whether it's correct, all correct information, but definitely more knowledge. Or when I say, not all, obviously, and I do think there's still a huge cultural issue in families. But, um, you know, when I say, hey, you know, think you started puberty, you know, the parent a lot of times is still like, oh, no. I mean, it happened today. It's not a 10-year-old girl. You know, 50-50 if she started puberty or not, right? It can be somewhere between ages 8 and 12 about. So, you know, the mom immediately, nope. No, no, no puberty. Oh, thank God. No puberty yet. And the girl's looking at me and she goes like this because she's wearing a bra. <laughs> she goes, yep, little bit of puberty. Why? She took a class. She knows she's wearing a bra because she started having some breast buds. And she knows, oh, yeah, I'm in puberty because still so many people think puberty equals menstruation. Yeah. And it's not. Um. So I, I bet those are my favorite scenarios when the kid knows a little more than the parent or the parents in denial. Um, and, and we like to teach like the reason you want to start the teaching as young as possible is because we don't send our kids to like kindergarten without doing a kindergarten roundup or visiting the school playground or here's what to expect when you're in school during circle time. But yet we're supposed to like go through puberty and not have any clue what we're doing. We prepare our kids for so many things, but not that. So we want to provide that information so you're not scared. You know what to expect. Why is my bestie going through puberty at age nine and I'm not? It's still normal. Um, there's just so much to normalize around it. That makes me yeah. Up. 
You know, I have two kind of more medical and one kind of serious question. In regard to the age of puberty, you know, parents ask me a lot, people ask me a lot, uh, and of course, I'm not a pediatrician, so I don't feel like I'm an expert in this field, about why puberty seems to be occurring earlier and earlier. And, oh, it's definitely the milk that I'm giving my kid, or it's some pesticide or whatnot, or whatever endocrine disruptor is in the body bath they're using. What is you, What do you say about that? So I say that there's um, some excellent research that's been done and, of course, ongoing. Yes, puberty is starting to happen early. Um, a great book you might enjoy reading is called The New Puberty. Um, of course, I don't know if you've read it. It's by a pediatric endocrinologist. Um, and it's co-authored, I want to say, with a pediatric psychologist, but I could be misspeaking. And it's probably in my cupboard here somewhere. But um, and they talk about, you know, a few main um, reasons that it's happening. So you mentioned endocrine disruptors. Those are real, but the volume that those have to occur in, in someone's body might be in a higher number than the average person is being exposed to. But it's significant and still being studied. And I, I think, well, you know, th there, there's definitely issues there. So environmental chemical disruptors. Two is the uh, obesity epidemic. So definitely we see that the higher the BMI, the more obese, the younger the puberty. Mm -hmm. And three is sad and fascinating, and it's the psychosocial stress level. Yeah. So kids in abusive homes, um, kids living in poverty, abuse. Um, they have a younger age of puberty. And that is, you know, documented, researched. So, yes, puberty is happening earlier. And um, I think some of it can be prevented and some of it we probably still don't understand why. So here's today's hot flash. There are actually five stages of puberty called Tanner stages. They include multiple physical changes, including breast buds, hair growth, height increase, and menstruation. And the other more serious issue that I'm glad is much more on the radar is I would imagine you as a pediatrician and such a warm person in general are the confidant to a lot of young people who come out in your office. And have you seen that more and more? And is it becoming just uh, okay? And what else did you have for lunch today type of conversation? Or is it still as frightening for these young kids as it always was in history? Love the question. Totally depends, obviously, on the family. So today, walked in the room. Let's say the patient's name was Jane. Okay. Um, all across, you know, the arm were, you know, their own marker, sixth grade version tattoos of the word Felix. And I said, oh, who's Felix? Oh, that's the name I go by. And my pronouns are they, that. Oh, okay. You know, mom's sitting there, mom knows, mom's referring to her child as they, them, or Felix. And we just carried on as if everything was just going about normal business, right? For sure. I see plenty, sadly, of patients 
who, when I kick the parent out, you know, is dep- depending on the vibe I get, right? It might be like age 12, 13, just to start practicing. And I say, you know, hey, what are your pronouns? Do you feel safe at home? Um, are you into a crush on anyone? Are you interested in dating boys, girls, both? Don't know. So often, right? Well, my parents don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm leaning this way. Or I don't know if I feel like dating boys, girls, probably both. You know, so you get the whole gamut. Some are for religious reasons. They feel like they can't tell their parent and they're so excited to go to college and kind of live their own, you know, new life, um, which they can do with, you know, a little less secrecy. So I see it all across the board in every which way. It's tough. So interesting. Thank you for uh, helping guide our young kids. Really important. Yeah, we talk about gender, gender identity in our programs now, which we did not initially. That's so interesting. We we definitely disclose that we do that because once in a while we have a group that will not allow it, does not want it as part of their talk. And listen, they're paying me to give a talk. So I always encourage it, but, but it's definitely, Hey, we include this. And when we started it, we definitely got some hate mail. Yeah. I would not have brought my kids to that class. Had I known. I mean, you're talking three slides out of probably 150. Oh, wow. Uh, and the kids know it all. It's there because the parents don't yes. understand the verbiage, right? Like we didn't grow up in that same generation that they grow up now where my kids can use the pronouns for all their friends, like without thinking twice, whereas we're probably a little more careful in a patient room, right? If we need to, you know, be respectful using the, the right term. So there's so much here. I mean, wish I had met you uh, 20 years ago. Maybe not that long. Likewise. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, so exciting, all kinds of growth. What do you see for turning teen in the future when you envision, you know, all this good work you're doing? I would, you know, I would love you to be in every school talking to every tween on the planet. Where do you see the future? Because you're still a mom, you're still a practicing pediatrician, and now you're a business owner. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see us growing, which we continue to do. Sadly, it's really hard to get into public school. Um, the red tape and the politics and everything is really hard. So, um, you know, we definitely are trying to increase our private school um, talks because I just like the idea of being able to access a large group at once and teach them together. So they're learning the same thing. And you know, talking to the boys, talking to the males, talking to the females, which we talk a little bit about each other, by the way, during our programs. The girls learn a little bit about the guys, vice versa. Um, and then through the schools, I have access to parents. So um, I would say that's definitely a goal of mine is to get into more schools, public schools, too. I just I think that that's a really lofty goal for the time being, especially, you know, in, in political climates. Um, and then expanding our programs, you know, we hired a social worker and we have um, an anxiety program to teach kids about talking about emotions, which is a huge part, obviously, of adolescence. So we talk about emotions in all of our programs. Um, 
and whatever else parents need. You know, our, one of our most popular programs now is our parenting program, How to Talk to Your Kid About Puberty, Sex, and Porn. Because parents don't, I don't think, understand the porn epidemic that is truly a problem right now. Um, I mean, there are teen males that come into the office with erectile dysfunction because the amount of porn they're watching. The safety issue and relationship issue of kids thinking that porn is their sex ad and that's what real sex is. So I'm going to be violent and misogynistic, et cetera, in my relationship and in my sexual activity. Like, that's scary. I have two babies that I'm raising. So porn discussions at my house is like we could be walking by each other in the hallway and I hear something on YouTube. I'm like, you're not watching porn, right? And if you are, just remember that's not real. And that's edited like a movie. And then they can complete my sentences because I think it's so important. I think to be a realist, right, they're going to watch porn. But I think if they know what they're watching, it's a whole different ballgame. Well, I think that's a a really good place to close out. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being our guest. This could go on all day long. We're we're all parents. So uh, it's fascinating. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. Don't forget. Subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business.